Welcome to the Disney Wedding Podcast, brought to you by Passporter's Disney Weddings and Honeymoons, the only guidebook and bridal organizer tailored exclusively to Disney's fairy tale weddings. I'm your host, Carrie Hayward. Each week I feature a different aspect of Disney weddings, from the latest news, information, and money-saving tips, to interviews with wedding vendors and real Disney brides and grooms. I also cover honeymoons, anniversaries, and engagements at the Disney parks and resorts. Join me now as the Disney Wedding Podcast celebrates romance at Disney destinations worldwide. Today on the Disney Wedding Podcast, we are talking with Tom Bricker of the Disney Tourist blog about photography. Everyone wants to remember their honeymoon, and especially when you go on a Disney honeymoon, there are lots of very cool things to take pictures of with you standing in front of them, especially like fireworks and castles and things. And so I wanted to have Tom on the show because he is an ace photographer, and he's actually written a whole book about photography of fireworks in particular to give us some tips that you can take with you when you go on your honeymoon so that you can make sure that your photographic memories of this really special vacation that's probably the most special and it's certainly the most romantic vacation you'll ever take so that you can have permanent photographic memories of your special trip. Welcome, Tom. Hi, how are you? I'm great. Thanks so much for coming on the show today. I am really excited to talk about your tips because I know that for us, we are just hobby photographers, but we wanted to make sure we had good shots from our honeymoon. But first, let's talk about you. Now, everybody knows you in the Disney community for your fabulous photos. What came first? Was it your passion for Disney or your passion for photography? It was actually the passion for Disney. When I was a kid, my parents took me to Walt Disney World probably about once a year, every spring break. It began to tail off when I was a little older. And my wife and I, now wife, and I went back for the first time in 2006. And for a couple of years, we went once per year. And I just had a cheap point-and-shoot camera, and we took terrible photos. I probably took flash photos and some of the dark rides and used my flash during fireworks and things like that and produced a lot of pretty bad photos. Uh, so one year I decided to actually for the express purpose of taking better pictures, I purchased a DSLR, which is one of the larger cameras, and learned how to take pictures for while we're at Disney. Now, I'm hoping that today we can talk a little bit about both point-and-shoot and DSLR because I do know that there are more and more people are buying DSLRs for just hobby photography, but there are still a lot of us who maybe don't want to bring that much stuff on vacation or maybe don't want to do any post-processing on our photos. So is it even possible for the average honeymoon to hope to get good shots if they aren't bringing a lot of pro equipment? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You can get great photos with anything from an iPhone to a regular point-and-shoot camera in one of the auto modes to a nicer DSLR. So it really is more dependent upon your knowledge of the camera than as in having a great camera, especially if your main goal with your honeymoon photography is taking great photos of yourselves, which it probably should be. I mean, it's your honeymoon. It doesn't really matter what type of camera you have. Now, obviously, you'll get better quality photos if you have a really nice DSLR, but it's not dependent upon that. And so how would you suggest that couples sort of get familiar with their camera so they do know, you know, everything that it's capable of and they use it to its best advantage, other than reading the manual? Because I don't know about you, but I'm not a big <laughs> manual reader. <laughs> yeah, no, no, the manuals are pretty dry and 
Uh, not the best way to learn to use the camera typically. The first recommendation I always make to anyone thinking about learning photography or wanting to use their camera better, regardless of what type of camera they have, is a book called Understanding Exposure. It's by a guy named Brian Peterson, and it is somewhat dry, to be honest with you, uh, especially for someone who's not really looking to learn the nuts and bolts of photography. It may not be the most intuitive way to learn, but it it's I what I found to be the most effective. Uh, I know there are other other methods. The National Geographic makes a more user-friendly type guide, but you have to learn photography somewhere along the way, and the basic concepts, uh, aperture, ISO, shutter speed, if you really want to understand your camera, that, that's the place to start. Now, if you don't want to take quite that much work and put quite that much effort in, it's good to at least have a working knowledge of the various auto modes of the camera. So you would know when to use, say, the nighttime portrait mode or the regular portrait mode or fireworks mode, because all of those different modes are obviously set up to take photos in different times. And so if you have at least a working knowledge of when to use those modes and what to do with your camera when you use each mode, for instance, if you use the nighttime portrait mode, it's good to have the camera on a tripod or stabilized some way because it's going to use a little bit longer of an exposure and fire the flash or raise the ISO. So it's good to know what to do with the camera in each of those situations to enable it to do better for you, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of a tripod, are there maybe the top five things that if you are serious about photography that you think honeymooners should bring? I mean, we brought a gorilla pod, which we're going to talk about this in a minute about being able to take photos of the two of you together without, you know, reaching your arm out. But are there things that you think, you know, if you have the room, pack X, Y, and Z, like a tripod? Do they have tiny, compact folding tripods? Yeah, there are a lot of travel tripods. And that would be my first recommendation. And that would be the biggest one. If you're willing to take a travel tripod with you or even a gorillapod, that opens up a world of possibilities because it enables you to get in the shot in, in more ways than just holding the camera out and looking at it. Especially since you're on your honeymoon, you probably won't have someone else there taking pictures for you. Not only will the tripod enable you to take better photos from the technical perspective, but it will enable you to actually get in photos in a way that's not just reaching your arm out really far and holding the camera. So that would be my number one thing. I know a lot of people aren't willing to do that, and it takes a lot of extra work a lot of times because you have to set the tripod up and get in the photo, set the self-timers, and then run to the position, and then take the tripod down for each photo. So it can be a bit of extra work, and it can take some of your precious honeymoon time. So that is an issue for a lot of people, but it's the biggest difference maker as far as getting high-quality photos of your honeymoon, I would say. I mean, there are a number of other little devices. There's a stick you can use and put your camera on and hold it out so it gets a little farther away from you. But the tripod or gorillapod or some other sort of camera stabilization device, even something small that you can set on top of a trash can, and trash cans are all over the place at Walt Disney World, <laughs> it makes a big difference. So I would recommend some sort of stabilization device, and that that's a huge huge thing. If you're willing to take that, that's great. Yeah, little did Walt know when he was decreeing that there should be a trash can every X number of feet that it was also going to help people with their photography. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, they. Re- I mean, you don't think about it as much as a guest. Maybe some people do. I don't know how much of an affinity most guests have for their trash cans, but they are everywhere. Besides a tripod, anything else? Um, I don't know too much about equipment, so I'm thinking filters, bounce cards. Or you probably wouldn't bring a bounce card. You'd have to enlist somebody to hold it. Yeah, no, I mean, it depends on how high level you want to get with that. Once you're looking at things like filters and bounce cards, you're getting into DSLR land, and that's really a lot of equipment. And I'm hesitant to recommend that type of thing for most people. I think if you have a working knowledge of those types of things, you probably know what you want to be doing anyway, as far as photography goes. And you may not need my recommendations just because you probably are a photographer in the first place or have a, a pretty good knowledge of photography and have a good idea of what you want to do going into it. I think for most people who are just using their point and shoot or purchased a, an entry-level DSLR, a tripod is really the big thing for them. If you have a DSLR, you also might want to purchase an infrared remote. You can get them on eBay or Amazon. They cost anywhere from $5 to $15. They're really cheap, but that's a DSLR level, and that's another great thing to have because if you're using a tripod or some sort of stabilization device, rather than using the self-timer and then running to get in front of the camera before your 15 seconds or however long elapses, you can just use this little handy remote and it makes it a bit easier for you. That's a great idea. Any general photography tips? I mean, obviously somebody could Google, you know, photography tips and learn about where to stand in front of the sun, but just basics that you're like, everybody needs to know. Don't put your subject here. Any kind of quick and easy tips. My big one, and this seems counterintuitive, but use the flash during daylight hours. And with most cameras, with point-and-shoot cameras, this is going to require you to enable the flash. So you're going to have to override its automatic setting in order to enable it. This will fill in the light under your eyes, under whomever's eyes. Get rid of a lot of shadows that you'll see in people's faces that aren't all that flattering. I, I know if you're a professional photographer, this is sort of cringeworthy advice because you want to have more dramatic lighting and you don't want this type of thing. But for basic uses of a point and shoot, I would recommend the fill flash is what it's called, just because it makes a more pleasing look to most portrait photography that's basic level. That's a great tip. So I think that's that's one thing. At night, you're still going to want to use the flash for the portrait. I'd recommend probably less intense level of flash and more and a bit of a longer exposure just so you expose for the background too. A lot of times at night you'll see a brightly illuminated person and then everything behind them is pitch black. Right. That's not the kind of photo you want at night because I mean for that matter you might as well have taken the photo during the daytime and spared yourself having to go out at night and take it if it's, the background's all black anyway. So what you want to do with that is really open up the background with a bit of a longer exposure and a higher ISO. I know these terms may be foreign to some people preparing to take their wedding or their honeymoon photos, but if you learn a little bit about that, it's helpful just because nighttime portrait shooting is a bit more difficult. Some cameras can do it well, some cameras can't. So it does require a bit of manual control if your camera is not so good at it. 
Let's talk a little bit about PhotoPass. I know PhotoPass, well, for those of you out there who don't know what PhotoPass is, Disney has photographers stationed around the parks, and they will take your picture in front of landmarks like Spaceship Earth and the castle, and then you get a little card, and you can go use the card later to see all your photos and order them as prints or on disc. There's a lot of talk about PhotoPass because generally these are not professional photographers. They are traditional cast members who have had maybe a four-hour training class and then are turned loose with high-end equipment that may or may not be calibrated correctly. So it's a real crapshoot. Sometimes you get somebody who happens to have an eye and you get a pretty decent photo and then other times you get terrible photos. So is there anything that the couple can do to increase the chance that they're going to get decent photo pass shots? Because you are going to want shots that you didn't have to set up or put a tripod out and they have little special fun effects like putting Tinkerbell in them and things you can't do yourself. What can you do to make sure that your photo pass photos are as good as you could possibly make them? <laughs> That's a tough one. Uh Sort of for the reasons you hit on, I'm not a huge fan of PhotoPass. By the technical definition, they are professional photographers. They are paid to take photos. So by that virtue alone, they're professionals. As far as quality goes, most of them are not professional quality, even though they are compensated to take pictures. There are a lot of really bad PhotoPass photographers who have no idea what they're doing and just don't care. I know I'm painting with a broad brush here, uh, so... If you're a PhotoPass photographer out there and listening to this and you're an exceptional photographer, don't take offense because there are certainly exceptional ones out there, but a lot of them are just normal people with a camera in their hands in auto mode. So the things you can do, the biggest recommendation I would make, and I do recommend PhotoPass for people going on their honeymoon just because it's such an important time and you know you want as many photos as you can from them, especially with the special effects. It's not a bad buy for this group of people. I would caution most normal people from purchasing it just because it's such an expensive buy and you can end up with a lot of lousy photos. And you can, I mean, honeymooners can still end up with lousy photos too. It's no different. It's not like you have some sort of special immunity if you purchase PhotoPass. <laughs> My big recommendation though would be to take your own camera too and have them take pictures with your camera just because that increases the odds that maybe your camera will be set up a little differently. Put it in one of the auto modes, give it to them, hope for the best. Uh, there's a great chance that those photos will actually be better than the photos they take with their professional equipment. It, it's really, a, like you said, it's a crapshoot. That You'll get the cool borders and effects and everything, but a lot of times you'll end up with terrible photos. It, it really boggles my mind, but I mean, at the same time, they're just, it's an entry-level cast member position. They're not professional photographers, besides by the fact that they're paid. I know that Disney has a fine arts photography department. And if you go around to some of the higher end resorts, like the Grand Floridian, I think, but there are a couple other resorts where you can book photo sessions with a bit of a higher end photographer. I might look into those, or even if you're at the resorts, it's not against Disney rules to bring in your own photographer. So if you have that type of money, it wouldn't be a bad idea to look into some of the local photographers in the Orlando area. I know that typically you can't bring those people into the parks. But as far as I'm aware, there's no issue with bringing them into the resorts. And I know you can, there are some circumstances when they can come into the parks with you too. I think generally that's just at Disneyland. I'm not completely familiar with the rules there, but I know there are some great local Orlando photographers. So that would be something to definitely look into if you have that type of money, just booking like a honeymoon type set or just similar to engagement photos, that type of thing. That's definitely my recommendation, too. Um, many of the wedding photographers also offer engagement portraits, like you say, a honeymoon session or an anniversary session. There are a lot of beautiful places outside of the parks that you can take them. You mentioned at Disneyland, it's still kind of 
up for grabs whether you can bring in a pro photographer. Technically, at Disney World, there is a rule that seems to be only Disney brides know about <laughs> that you can't bring a non-Disney photographer into the parks. But there are plenty of beautiful places at the resorts, and they don't charge an arm and a leg for these sort of honeymoon and engagement style sessions. It's not the same prices as if you had them do your wedding. So yeah, I would second that. I think that's a great idea. And you can get recommendations on wedding message boards. The Diz Boards has a wedding board, also just the Knot and other local Orlando area wedding boards. It's a great place to start. So then speaking of places where you can get your photos taken, can you recommend places in the parks or resorts for unique couples shots? Because we've all seen, you know, standing in front of the castle or in front of Spaceship Earth or even just angles like everyone takes a photo in front of the castle dead on. But have you tried going to the left? Any advice like that? Yeah, my favorite, one of my favorite spots still near the castle is over by the wishing well. It's off to the side of it. I'm not sure if it's close to a smoking area there. Or if it just seems like whenever I'm there, people are smoking in that area. <laughs> but it, that area is sort of secluded, and you can get some more interesting shots. One of the things I would caution people about in general, when taking photos of yourself from the castle, it's not necessary that you have the entire castle in the frame. I mean, it, it's great to see that whole castle, but I'd probably recommend getting a bit closer up with the shots of yourself. Just have a little bit of the castle in the background, a little bit as enough to hint at where you are. You want yourselves to be the focal points. The castle shouldn't dominate 75 or more percent of the frame. So positioning yourselves in front of that wishing well there, you can still see a bit of the castle in the background. It makes a really nice shot. That's a place you can go. As far as resorts go, I'm partial to the boardwalk area and the Polynesian Resort. I think you can take some great photos there on the beach, the Polynesian. It's sort of out of the way, even though it's a busy resort. You can set up the tripod without having to worry about someone constantly running past and knocking it down. Boardwalk's another great area just because it's a very romantic setting, I think, and it is not quite as out of the way, but you should still be able to get a number of nice photos there. Uh, really, any of the deluxe resorts offer great options for photography. I mean, I probably wouldn't recommend people go to Pop Century and take a bunch of photos around the large objects. But if that's your thing, I mean, certainly that that could make a great photography too. It, it really all depends on what your preferences are. I tend to skew toward the Polynesian boardwalk, but there are really great photo options everywhere. You have to look beyond some of the major park icons sometimes. I know it's difficult because you know, I love photos of Spaceship Earth and that type of thing as much as the next person, but photos in each of the countries and world showcase, if you go back in Morocco, there's a little courtyard way in the back there that's sort of indoor, sort of outdoor. There are some fountains back in that. You can get some great photos in there that are look more world travelerly. number of locations like that that maybe hint at Walt Disney World without screaming it. I like that type of photo. It really all depends on what you're looking for, though. Those are some good points. I think also, uh, and I know families do this, but there's no reason you can't start when you're honeymooners, taking a picture in a certain spot every time you go can be neat just to see the changes over the years, hopefully all good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. Uh, I know the cigar store Indian people use. I'm trying to think of what other locations. I guess when you're honeymooners, you're probably not going to grow taller, presumably. <laughs> so maybe things like that aren't exactly necessary. You can really choose a lot of different things. I guess if you're planning on having kids someday, maybe Something that does show height would be good, too. So once they're added to the mix, their heights will be captured against that object. Yeah, those type of photos are great. And, you know, my wife and I do shots like that every trip. 
we always get the same shot in front of the same few things, no matter how many times we have that shot before. Yeah, the other thing we like to do is find the PhotoPass spots where they have a little photo that shows you exactly where is a really good place to take a photo. And then we try to mimic the cheesy expressions that the models <laughs> are making. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Those, uh, well, they're Kodak right now. Who knows how long they'll be those in the future, the, the Kodak photo spots. Yeah, they have those, those all over the park, and they are cheesy expressions most of the time. A lot of times, interestingly enough, they choose some a little bit out-of-the-way locations that maybe are not quite as obvious as the typical straight on the castle. I know the one the Magic Kingdom is off to the side, but the Liberty Square Bridge. There are some other ones that are pretty good, but wow, yeah. those The photos that they show on those are definitely uh, ultimate 80s or early 90s cheese factor. <laughs> So now, I know you've written an entire book on photographing fireworks. Do you have any top tips that you could share with our listeners for their honeymoons? Uh, yeah, my biggest tips for family photography and portrait photography in general, and I'm definitely by no means a portrait photographer or wedding photographer, so take these tips for exactly what they're worth. But my biggest one would be to relax and not always pose in the photo. And this goes for both the posed smiles that everyone likes to have in every single photo and the cheesy poses too because i think they're sort of that's the dichotomy between poses people always try to look their best and perfectly smile and then you also at the other end of the spectrum have people that always go for the cheesy poses and make a like a foolish grin or whatever go for more natural things i mean you're at walt disney world you're meeting with a character or something like I don't know, say Pluto, try to howl like a dog or something. Do something that fits the situation. This can vary widely depending on what the scene is. Like, say if you're in front of the castle, dance like a prince and princess or pose like you're dancing because if you're moving, that may not achieve such great results. If you're in Tomorrowland in front of those palm trees of the future, the metal ones, try to do something futuristic. And I I have no idea what kind of pose that could be, but try to... (laughs) And these may end up being corny, just like the ones that I tell you to avoid, but try to do something that fits the situation. What we do in, in Tomorrowland is pose as if we're looking off into the bright future ahead. <laughs> yeah, I've been, as I was saying that, I thought back to photos we've taken where we do the fake robot dance. And I have <laughs> no idea how this is futuristic at all. And I don't know that it's not corny. Actually, it certainly <laughs> is corny, but it's fun. And it's it's not intentionally way over the top cheesy and it's not the incredibly canned type poses either and those type of pictures are definitely important to have because you don't want a bunch of photos of you looking situationally foolish but at the same time it's nice to have ones that aren't all just the perfect smile and here's you in front of x object oh here we are with the same pose in front of object y i mean a lot of people you look through their vacation photos and you see that trend where it's just them standing in front of this object and then them standing in front of this object And pictures like that are great to prove that you were there, if that's what you're going for. But it's nice to have some more rich photos that tell a bit more of the story than just, here we are in front of Spaceship Earth. Oh, the next day we went to Magic Kingdom, and here we are in front of Cinderella Castle. Here we are in front of Partners, that type of thing. And unfortunately, I think that's a lot of what you get with photo passes. They just try to do volume, so they get you in one location. All right, smile, move you on. Sometimes they do the nice things like have you hold your hand out and Tinkerbell appears in your hands or have you fighting with Captain Hook and those type of things. But a lot of the poses and the shots that they try to take are just here you are standing in front of X object and here you are standing in front of object Y and those get old pretty quickly. 
These are some great tips. Talk to us about where we can see your photography online, read all of your fantastic trip reports. Uh, I run a site called DisneyTouristBlog.com. On there, I actually have, like you mentioned, some trip reports, examples of photography. And I also have a page of honeymoon tips that includes some of these photography tips, I believe. Photography tips for honeymoons and that type of thing. Great. Okay. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show today and sharing all these great tips. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. That's our show for today. If you enjoyed it, be sure to rate the Disney Wedding Podcast on iTunes so that others will find it. You can also send your comments, questions, and suggestions to info at DisneyWeddingPodcast.com. Past shows are available in iTunes and on the show's website. And for instant answers to all your Disney's Fairy Tale Weddings questions, check out Passporter's Disney Weddings and Honeymoons Guide, available as an interactive ebook with continual free updates at passporter.com/weddings.asp or in print at passporter.com and amazon.com.